0: Welcome to Passage to Wonderland, literary passages to complete your day. I am a survivor of genocide against Indigenous women and girls. Now, I have a voice as a rising journalist who is driven to make right the wrongs against my people. Those are the words of award-winning French Cree-Iroquois journalist Brandy Morin, one of Canada's most prominent voices on Indigenous issues. In her much-anticipated memoir, Our Voice of Fire, Brandy writes about her grandmother, her Kokum, who had a huge influence on her life and career. For months afterwards, Kokum visited often in my dreams. Although it was the oddest thing, her visits never felt like dreams. They felt real. She would show up, and we would sit down and talk like old times. Sometimes we were in my mom's garage, or at one of her old apartments, or literally in the white clouds of heaven. The first few times... I asked her if it was okay for her to be there. I wanted to make sure she'd cleared these visits with God. She shrugged off my concern and said, of course she could be there with me. I sensed that even in the afterlife, my Kokum still got what she wanted. Her visits became less frequent, but she still showed up whenever I was going through something difficult in order to give me advice or comfort. These days, she visits maybe once a year. When she does, I relish the time for our spirits to connect in the dream world. But this isn't to say that my relationship with my Kokum is relegated solely to the dream world. I'd been wrong when I thought that Kokum's death meant her ongoing influence in my life was over. She had plenty more to teach me. After she died, My aunties went through her home to organize and distribute her belongings. They called all the grandchildren together to decide what they wanted. No one wanted her chest of costume jewelry except for me. I was a little offended on behalf of Kokum, but also grateful. To me, these pieces were priceless treasures that allowed me to keep and cherish her essence forever. My aunties also found scribblings of hers, as well as several journals. Once they pieced them together, they had a sizable collection of her writing that they shared with the family. I had no idea that Kokum was also a writer. Actually, I had no idea how much of Kokum's life I hadn't known about at all. I devoured her writing, hungry to know more about the woman I missed so much. She wrote about how much she loved hunting muskrat in the bush with daddy and her sister and how she excelled at track and field but wasn't picked for the school team. She wondered whether it was because she was native. Kokum's writings also opened my eyes to darker elements of her past that she'd kept tucked away. After her daddy passed, her home life became a chaotic environment colored by addiction and violence. She wrote in her diaries about how she'd steal her mother and stepfather's liquor bottles and pour water in them to try to slow their drinking down. When things got rowdy at home, she'd call the police and swear that she'd never grow up to be like them. I also learned that the convent she attended as a child was a residential school, but I didn't yet understand the significance of this fact. But I did know that something had been kindled inside of me when I read my Kokum's words. Each small scrap of paper, each page in her journal, fed the spark of curiosity within, until it was a roaring fire of need. I needed to know more. About Kokum. About me. About my people. Without my even realizing it, my feet were set on a new path. Over the next few years, I began to hunt for the truth through any means I could, from research to collecting personal stories. I learned about the horrors of residential schools, created with the express goal of indoctrinating Indigenous children into white culture through shame, violence, neglect, and punishment for daring to exist in the first place. I thought about my kokum in that place, taught that she'd be damned if she didn't renounce her Indian heritage. The fear of hell's torture in the afterlife burned so deeply into her psyche that she'd suffered that torture throughout this life as well. No wonder she didn't talk about it. I also began to learn of the richness, the wonders, the beauty, and the intricate legacy of my indigeneity. It wasn't about a bunch of broken, drunken, lost, brown skin colored people who made bannock and played bingo every other night. We were much more, and our identities were being stifled in the name of colonial agendas that attempted to wipe us out. This desire to learn more set me on my path to becoming a journalist. I started covering the stories of Indigenous people in the courts and on their lands. I went to prisons and protests. I learned to retell the stories that were being told to me. I began to use Kokum's gift of writing that was passed on to me. My work as a journalist unleashed a desire for justice in me, as strong as a wildfire, to help transform the narrative of Indigenous oppression. Sometimes, I feel as if I'm making up for lost time for the things Kokum didn't get to do. My mother told me that the day before Kokum died, she called all her children into the room so she could pray a blessing over them. They gathered around her bed, and suddenly Kokum began speaking Cree, the language of her ancestors that she spoke in childhood but had long forgotten. The words poured out of her, Musical and mysterious, bathing her children in their cadence. Her first language to invoke her final blessing. The room crackled with power. When mom told me what had happened, my first reaction was an overwhelming regret that I had not been in the room. Now I know that I didn't have to be. Kokum's ancestral blessing has been guiding my feet since the moment it roared into the world, calling us to wake from our slumber and remember who we are. Her words, like her tenacity, have been passed on to her children, grandchildren, and great-grandchildren. We rise as part of the living, breathing, blazing saga of her tremendous mark on this world. That was an excerpt from Our Voice of Fire, a memoir of a warrior rising by award-winning French Cree Iroquois journalist Brandi Morin. It's published by House of Anansi Press. The book has been called a wildfire of a debut memoir by her editor. Brandy is a survivor of the missing and murdered Indigenous women and girls crisis and has been reporting and sharing Indigenous stories internationally for the last decade. Our Voice of Fire will be released on August the 2nd. Thank you for listening to Passage to Wonderland. Until next time, rest easy.